Welcome, one and all, to episode 112 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, last week we uh, we talked about Big Draft. We discussed the 2022 draft classes, specifically the offense. We, we went into the quarterbacks to begin things and then discuss the whole offensive side of the ball um, in our patron episode. So if you're not a subscriber, make sure you subscribe. You'll get all our thoughts on on not just what we thought about this year's class, but starting to get into next year's class and discuss things um, of that nature. And and it was a great episode as always, but it's it's fun to already start looking ahead at these guys. Yeah, we talked quarterbacks on episode uh, 111 last week and you know as we talked our way through it through the show and 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 pre-show it's starting to look like this would have been the year to really jump up and grab your quarterback because next year is not it's not looking like the same caliber of, of quarterback prospect that we had this year and uh, when we took a look at the rest of the offensive side of the ball though I think there were were some stronger positions than we saw uh, this year which is to be expected because we have such such a deeper pool of talent for for 2022. So that that's our patron episode uh, 10. So go on and give that a listen if you can. It's uh, two bucks a month to get all those bonus episodes, uh, the weekly bonus episodes that we post on Thursdays or Fridays. So uh, this week we want to do something. We want to go backwards. You know, last week we jumped forward, looked at the quarterbacks. This week we want to go backwards to a year to a draft where we were actually on hiatus at the time. We didn't, uh, we, we had ended our run at draft breakdown in December of 2017 that year. So we never broadcast episodes for the 2018 draft class. And that was another quarterback class, much like this 2021 class, where we saw a, a number of quarterbacks going in the first round. There were actually four that went in the first round that year. And they are all entering their fourth seasons now. So I think we all can take a look. You know, we can take a look at these guys and see how we thought of them. We'll, we'll be honest with you. The tweets are out there. And we'll see how they are now. We'll see where, where what did we think in 2018 when we weren't on podcast, but we were out there uh, tweeting or writing various in various medium of communication. But uh, Seth, the number one overall pick that year, I think – Leading up to almost the day of the pick, the rumor was that Cleveland Browns were going to take either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. It was going back and forth on those two guys for much of the last month leading up to the 2018 draft. And then right about the day of, maybe the night before, we started hearing Baker Mayfield was going to be the pick. And lo and behold, John Dorsey, then the Cleveland GM, he took Baker Mayfield one uh, number one overall in the 2018 draft. And I, as a Cleveland Browns fan, I could not have been more disappointed at that moment in time. Yeah, and it's interesting to go back and look. Something we, you know, have joked about is that the Browns could have basically redefined how offenses were run if they were brave enough i think brave enough would have probably been the right word brave enough to draft 
Saquon Barkley with the first pick and Lamar Jackson with their, I believe, fourth pick in that draft. Is that right. correct? Yeah, exactly. They had the number one overall pick and they had the number four overall pick. And by this time, you know, I, I could tell that Lamar Jackson's stock had, had fallen. And so, I I mean, people in Brown's Twitter to this day, they tell they subtweet me and they tell me how dumb I was and people that agreed with me that I, I thought the Browns could have taken Saquon Barkley, who I thought was the best player in the 2018 draft, and then Lamar Jackson at four overall and had this incredibly dynamic uh, offense that was based on the fact that you you never knew which game breaker was going to have the ball. And, and, and uh, I really liked... The idea we'll we'll come back to to Lamar Jackson, but that wasn't uh, with with Hugh Jackson as the coach. It wasn't in the cards. It probably would have been a disaster if it did happen. You know, I I admit that now. Okay, it probably would have been a disaster if it had happened. Um, and John Dorsey reportedly he fell in love with Baker Mayfield even before the Senior Bowl, and then definitely the the Senior Bowl kind of seemed to solidify things so Baker Mayfield goes number one let's talk a little bit about where he is in his career so at the time I actually compared him to some people were comparing him to Jeff Garcia Uh, some people were comparing him to uh, I think some people were comparing him to Johnny Manziel in both favorable and unfavorable ways I actually compared him to another big 12 quarterback this team's now in the SEC, but at the time when, when he was there, it was a Big 12 team, and that was Chase Daniel of Missouri. They had the same build, same athleticism. They both put up prolific numbers, although Mayfields were much much more inflated with the uh, current offensive systems and and with the Lincoln-Riley offense. Uh, that might that, That's kind of looking like uh, I sold him short, right, Seth? Yeah, I mean... I thought the Garcia comparisons always made the most sense is like, again, when we talk about how we, um, when we do comparisons, we do a high end, a low end. And, you know, to be I, honest, I forgot to do a high end with him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But if you think about it, I mean, Jeff Garcia to, to Chase Daniels, that, I mean, that's probably not a bad high end, low end when you look at it. Um, you know, Baker's been in, in the NFL now for three years, he's having a nice career. I'm not, I think in 2020, he took the first step forward, I would say, in, in becoming a potentially great quarterback uh, when he, you know, started to minimize his turnovers. Uh, I mean, you look at it, the first two seasons, uh, you know, 49 touchdowns to 35 interceptions is not ideal. But, I mean, we can just admit that. And, you know, season two, he had 22 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. Um, so to see him come out last year, go 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, you saw his growth as a and I know people are going to hate this game manager. And I know people will hate that and they'll hate the idea that, well, the number one overall pick shouldn't be a game manager. And whether or not we agree with that, that's fine. But when you look at how he has done so far, I think you can look at his 
his play and you see a guy that's a a guy right now that gives you a chance to to win in the league which you know you look at the next you know two of the next three guys drafted and you couldn't say that about them um right and, and, and so and baker you know 45 starts he's taken this franchise he he was at the helm first of all one of the, the great things about baker is as far as cleveland fans are concerned is he doesn't he hasn't missed any games yeah uh, he stayed in one piece and so yeah. he's he's uh led the team to a 23 and 22 record i won't i won't call him qb wins but He's a game over 500. Uh, uh, the team's a game over 500 with him starting. Most importantly, he took him to a playoff game. He was at the helm when they went to the playoffs for the first time since 1994. They actually won a game, and then they had they were within striking distance of winning that game against against the Chiefs. That would have put them in the AFC Championship game. So I think the big thing about May, Mayfield: 75 TDs through his first three years is the most of any of the quarterbacks passing that we'll talk about tonight. You know, we'll, we'll talk about a couple other guys who use their legs a little bit more and the key cutting down on the turnovers, like you said. So is, is Mayfield, what was he worth the one one Are there a couple quarterbacks we're going to talk about here that are better than he is? I think there are, but I think I undersold him. And I think that uh, it's going to be a real, Interesting, a really interesting decision for Cleveland coming up. They picked up his fifth-year option. That'll carry him through next season. But what are they going to do in light of the Jared Goff and the Carson Wentz situations? What are they going to do beyond his fifth season? Is he a guy that's going to be worth $40 million a year? I think that is a legitimate question. It's, you know, $40, $45 million a year at that point. Is Baker Mayfield that guy? Or are they going to try and insulate themselves themselves from a salary cap standpoint allow themselves to franchise him or draft you know a, another guy who could they can get in the pipeline i don't know i i legitimately don't know if i had to guess today i think he's going to be a, a guy who maybe it's a three-year extension if they can convince him to sign that or maybe even a guy they have to franchise in that sixth season yeah i could definitely see a dak prescott like um scenario playing out over the next two years with with Baker unless he continues to play at the level he did last year I know people won't agree with that's you know that's not 40 to 45 million a year quarterback level but the alternative is to going back to looking for a quarterback right and you just want a playoff game so 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 it, it would be a horrible look so on the opposite end of that spectrum the guy that a lot of people thought could or should be the, the top quarterback drafted was Sam Darnold, uh, who ended up going to the New York Jets. The New York Jets traded up with the Indianapolis Colts from the sixth pick to the third pick, giving up uh, two All-Pros in the process and Quentin Nelson and... I believe the pick that the Colts used for Darius Leonard was the Jets pick as well. Um, I could be wrong about that, but, I mean, who has time for facts at, at this point of the day? But when you look at it from that perspective, you're putting an astronomical amount of pressure on a quarterback from the jump, 
And then the next part is you're playing in New York where success has been brief or fleeting or not at all for most quarterbacks. Um, so Darnold comes out and I would say he looked close to being the best quarterback in the class, probably in that, in that first year. Um, obviously he, he had his struggles, but at 21, um, you know, 50, 50 just under 58% completion percentage through 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions played on an awful jets team. Um, I think we all can agree on that, but you saw the, what I guess you would call the requisite flashes as they were basically writing it out in the Todd Bowles era. Then it it just, you put it perfectly. He had flashes. Then Sam, Sam Darnold got what so many uh, promising offensive players have gotten over the last several years. He got Adam Gase. And Oh my God. And from there, I mean, again, in, in his his sophomore year in in New York, started thirteen games, went seven and six, just over three thousand yards, nineteen touchdowns, cut down interceptions a little bit, thirteen interceptions. Again, you look at it, you go, "Hey, we're heading in the right direction," but it wasn't a huge leap forward. Now, going back to what you said quarterback wins we're not going to make a huge deal right now but seven and six go from four or nine to seven and six fighting for a potential playoff spot um and giving you the false sense of hope that hey if if sam darnold would have been healthy those other three games are the uh are the new york jets a playoff team yeah and that I, second I think, year was the year he got he got mono nucleosis right right so, so people, oh, you know, what if he had been healthy? What if, you know, that took a lot out of him. Monotic can really lay down for a, a long period of time. Um, he came back after a period of time. But, yeah, absolutely. I think people had still had reason to still hang their hopes on him. And then this year happened, the 2020 season. A combination of a number of things. One, again, Adam Gase is awful head coach um how he got another job after the the debacle in miami i'll never understand however the jets are the jets for a reason um and as browns and cardinals fans we can say that because we understand what bad franchises look like i mean we're 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 actually experts in it so we can and we we all all three fan bases have a, a stock in this particular draft class Right. And so when you look at it, Darnold bottoms out 59% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions, only 12 games. So one of the things you talked about with Mayfield uh, played every game, Darnold or every game that he played in, he finished, stayed healthy, things of that nature. Darnold never happened. Um, Right. You've got health issues. And then, and then, unlike Mayfield, Darnold goes the opposite direction with the turnovers. 
And and one of the comps that you and I had made, right? We and one of the reasons I was less high on Sam Darnold than you were in this draft mm-hmm. class is because we actually saw this a similar prospect in this, and that was Blake Bortles. And as the 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 biggest fan of Blake Bortles, um, and and the future Green Bay Packer great Blake Bortles, I mean. The line of succession to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Blake Bortles makes a lot of sense if you if you go back and, <laughs> and look at it. But that's another Strong. show for another day. Uh, but you you saw the willingness to take chances that you're just not good enough to take, and that's that's kind of how Bortles' game has been, and that's what Darnold's game had turned into. He was not making plays his athleticism and his arm weren't good enough uh to be making the plays he was trying to make and and now all of a sudden he's with the Carolina Panthers uh and they didn't give up a whole lot to get him uh so they sold i would say not low but obviously they didn't sell high um, and they got a little something for him. But Darnold being QB one for a lot of people, I think this, I think this is the classic example of not taking into account a guy that took a lot of chances with the ball in college and turned the ball over a lot in college and think, right. well, he'll, he'll clean that up when he gets to the NFL. Right, and and that's you know, he you sum it up really well when you say he is a guy who took a lot of chances. They didn't have the arm to take the chances. Uh, similar to Bortles, he, he just didn't have the elite arm strength to take those chances. I think the next guy we'll talk about is more in line with that kind of way of thinking. And he doesn't clean up the turnovers, and he doesn't stay healthy. Um, and then he also he he made some plays with his feet at the college level that he's not athletic enough to make at the pro level. We have seen him make plays with his feet, same with Bortles, but they don't have the high end athleticism of the next couple guys we're going to discuss. And that's, it's a formula for disappointment. And I think that's the problem when, uh, I should have known when I had the notion of Blake Bortles coming into my head as a comparison that Sam Darnold wasn't the guy I wanted high in in this 2018 draft i should have known better than that and um he wasn't my qb1 that year but he was my qb2 and that's something i i'm taking and learning from because and that's you know the two things i just mentioned is some of why i have my doubts about sam Howell coming up in, in 2022 um josh allen was the next guy picked and he was a player i had almost made peace at that time that that John Dorsey was going to take Josh Allen number one. He was the quarterback that almost no Browns fans wanted, but there were a couple out there that that really wanted the elite arm strength and size that Josh Allen has to offer. This is a guy, Seth, when we were doing the show in 2017, we weren't too high on Josh Allen, but by the time, excuse me, but by the time our show was wrapping up, um, it almost, we had almost come around to the fact that it seemed like, Draft Twitter was beating him up more than he deserved. And whereas I still thought he was 
a player that you could take, you know, late in the first round or day two, you know, that's that's the problem with grading versus where a guy has to be valued when he's a quarterback. But he was that type of player where I saw that the skill set was intriguing enough to, to try and give this guy a shot. So I had come to peace with the Browns taking him number one just on tools alone, something that I, I haven't really come to peace with as a as somebody who evaluates players. But here we are. Josh Allen lands in a great situation. He's 43 starts into his career. And we saw he, he became an MVP candidate last year. He's got 67 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns his first two years. He, he's going to want to clean up the turnovers. He had 31 fumbles. He's had 31 fumbles over the past, over his first three seasons. But he became a pro bowler last year. The Bills are 28-15 and 15 with Josh Allen as their starting quarterback. They've been to the playoffs two years in a row, and they're 2-2 two and two in, those, in those four playoff games. So I think Josh Allen is a player that uh, is starting to – I still think he's a candidate to regress because of his his uh, you know wild style of play. He's he's a guy who takes chances, but he does have the physical tools to back it up. And I think he's kind of proven a lot of people. I don't want to say he's proven a lot of people wrong, but he's proven to be more valuable than a lot of people said he was going to be. And certainly the Bills fans love him, and I don't blame him. He he's a guy. He's another guy who's going to be up for that big contract, and you have to say. You know, look what he's done for the the Buffalo Bills. Is he going to be worth it to give that big hundred and fifty million dollar contract? Yeah, and Allen's one of the classic guys where you talk about draft, um, I guess, capital or spot, and I think everybody would agree that it was the talk of going one overall, or you know, in that top five or or even where he went at seven that was the pause for so many people and i think i think a lot of the people that had that pause were right in the first season and then you know even a little bit in season two where he you know made one of the most boneheaded plays in playoff history that i can can remember and And that and that was something you saw on tape at wyoming and, and so, you know, you got that, that was where you were nervous about him, but to see what he did last year, that step forward that he took for the bills. Now he's always going to have a hard time because he's basically going to have to play behind the best quarterback in the NFL, in the AFC, um, in, in Patrick Mahomes, but you know, he made his first Pro Bowl last year, so that you know he's on track of what you would expect from the seventh overall pick. I think we can agree with that um, aspect of things. But, For sure, I don't think there's, I don't think you're getting any complaints out of Buffalo fans at all right now. Then you had the guy that should have had more red flags, and maybe it's hindsight, but I think we. I think if you just go back and look at the the issues and the red flags of Josh Rosen, um, you probably could have done a better job evaluating him. And that was something that we talked about the other day with 
Keaton Slovis of um, of USC, and that's that freshman plateau where maybe they didn't get you know that much better to where you're you're saying, oh, this guy is now a you know locked in day one pick, but instead you're saying, well, look at the promise he showed as a freshman. I think we can, you know, and then we make the excuse of, oh, well, you know, circumstances right. made it so he didn't reach that. Um, so we'll go that's ahead when, and that's when and, you get into we'll things and, like, uh, yeah, like dismiss. offensive line and weapons, right? Right. And so the reality is, if you're going to pick a guy in the first round, and I'll just say the first round he better be the guy that overcomes all of those shortcomings, right? Like they don't have a great offensive line, but he still made plays. Josh Allen. Um, they didn't have a great, you know, wide receiver core, uh, but he was still able to do a lot. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, those type of things, You that's what you should look at. Uh, more than oh well he did when he had a good offensive line and he had good weapons he was really good um well it's like and then you look at it and you go well if you're gonna draft a guy especially in the top 10 which means that your team is likely bad you better have all that in place and you know the cardinals didn't um i will say this as bad as the pick was i always give Steve Kime credit. Now he made the pick, so obviously uh, it's his fault. But I give Steve Kime credit for bailing quickly and not trying to hang on to him and trying to make it work because in the end it just ended up being just getting an asset for him and now they blew the pick on the asset. But, you know, whatever. You can only do so much. That's what's so unique about Rosen is how quickly the team that drafted him bailed on him. And I, guys, I wanted to ask you, because we have Seth and our producer Robert, both Cardinals fans, how did you guys feel when that when he was picked? I was excited. I thought I you know, I was dumb enough to think um something that we've talked about before, you know, he was well spoken, intelligent, had a ton of interest off the field, which made him, you know, the smartest quarterback, right? Which means he was, <laughs> he was the most pro ready quarterback, which was just <laughs> right. And he was the biggest hot shot out of high school too. And, and uh, I think he, he came off as a good leader in public. So Robert, what would you think when that pick went down? Yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah. Like that year he was my, I hate to say it, but he was like my 1A to uh, Mayfield's 1B. Um, I don't know if there's any tweets about it, but you can probably find it on Revenge of the Birds. I would have rather had Jackson than the pick. And before anybody accuses me of hindsight, I, I did just say I had Rosen 1A. So Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I get that too. Uh, I think a lot of Cardinals fans and I think a lot of other teams would have been thrilled. Their fans would have been thrilled with that pick too because he was uh, among – some draft next. He was a quarterback one. People were critical, a big draft for, for seeming to sour on Rosen and 
critical of teams for seemingly not even considering him at the top of the draft. Cleveland never even gave him, you know, the time of day at as being a potential for the number one overall pick. And it seemed like these other teams uh, that took quarterbacks, the Jets and the Bills, really weren't into Rosen at all either. So it was one of these situations where a lot of draft Knicks were saying, why is this guy falling? This, you know, the reasons for his fall are BS. Um, and it turned out that he maybe really just had plateaued after the first uh, season of college. And, and, you know, I still see people on Twitter saying he didn't get a fair shake. He didn't get a fair shake. You could argue that. However, I think you'd be wrong because, as Seth said, it's not as if Josh Rosen was elevating his, his team at UCLA in the way that that uh, Josh Allen was at Wyoming. Josh Allen was the team. He was he carried that team. Uh, when Josh Allen was gone, so was a lot of Wyoming's success. And Lamar Jackson, you could say the same thing about him at Louisville. He was carrying that team, and Louisville has not had nearly the same success since he left. And now... It, Lamar was my quarterback one that year. I thought he, and I thought he was the just the most dynamic player in the class uh, as far as quarterbacks were concerned, and outside of Saquon Barkley. And you can look at the start of his career. You can you can criticize his passing. Maybe he's not the most accurate passer. However, in thirty seven starts, he's led the team to a thirty and seven regular season record. He's got 16 passing touchdowns, only 18 interceptions. He's got over 2,900 rushing yards, 19 rushing touchdowns. That's second in this group to Allen, who had actually has 25 rushing touchdowns. And uh, Lamar, he was a, he's got a Pro Bowl under his belt. He's, he was an All Pro, and he was the MVP of the whole league. The criticism of him is that he hasn't been able to take him over the hump when they get to the playoffs, and they're one and three in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson at the helm. But I, I still feel good about my uh, take that Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback in the 2018 class. Yeah, and just to clarify, you you said 16. Uh, you meant 68 touchdown passes. 68, sorry if I misspoke, yeah. Yeah, and um, the most, you know, one of the most unique and exciting players, I would say, in, in the NFL today and – Likely NFL history. I mean, I'm not going to say if he would have went to Arizona, he would have had any success. I will say this, though. And this is something that we've talked about um, on on the podcast I do with, with Jess Root, uh, the Rise Up See Red podcast. It was ironic that Steve Wilkes, the head coach that year, wanted to be an old-school coach that lived with a strong running game and a good defense and the quarterback of choice was Josh Rosen and not Lamar Jackson who offers um, just as much as a passer and offers so much more as a runner Uh, you know it's kind of it was kind of odd that that would be their choice but it is what it is obviously in hindsight um Cardinals end up with Kyler Murray the next year, so maybe it it, it all works out. And, and I think Lamar uh, should get more credit for for his passing ability. I think he's improved from where he was at Louisville. And 
or, or should I say Louisville? I, I, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but wherever people think Lamar Jackson is as a passer, I think he's elevated himself above that, and he just has to get over that hump, and they, if they, they've got to win some playoff games with him. They're giving him the weapons on, on offense. They've got him paired with some with dynamic running back, J.K. Dobbins. They drafted a receiver in the first round in uh, Rashad Bateman. He's got a tight end, Mark Andrews, who's extremely reliable. He still has Hollywood Brown. So this is a year where, you know, I don't, as a Browns fan, I'm not comfortable uh, having to play Baltimore two times a year as long as Lamar Jackson's there. Uh, he's in, he's an incredible player. I think he, the sky's the limit with him as long as he st- stays focused and keeps working hard. There were some other quarterbacks that went in this class after the first round, and most of them are nondescript. Kyle Laletta, Mike White, Nick Falk. I think some people liked Falk before his final year of college, but you could see by the end of his college career he was completely beat up, and it just he just wasn't a great pro prospect. But one more quarterback that we should talk about, because it's going to lead us into the hot take this week, is Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph was the QB1 for a couple of evaluators, I believe – he was the QB1 for the second guy. I don't know because he's got me blocked on Twitter. But the first guy I know, Chris Tra- Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. And I like Chris a lot. We, we follow each other on Twitter. And uh, I've always gotten along with him. But he had Mason Rudolph as a QB1. I couldn't have disagreed more on that take. But uh, I think uh, Kean Fahey also said that... that uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but I think he also had Mason Rudolph as a QB1 that year. I'm definitely blocked, too, so I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we'll just pretend. It, just in case anybody who's not blocked, if you know that, if we're, that we're dead wrong about that, let me know, and I'll correct myself on the air next week. But Rudolph, nine starts so far in his career. Yeah, he's behind Ben Roethlisberger, so he, I don't think he was expected to take over the job. But uh, 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The team was five and four in those nine starts, but any, I don't think anybody that's seen uh, Rudolph play as a pro thinks that he's going to be, you know, a future starter. Other than maybe spot starts or, or remaining in the back of pole that he's in, and that really takes us into the hot take because uh, Chris on, on on draft night that year. Chris Trapasso was on the air with, uh, I think, CBS Sports HQ or whatever the uh, whatever they called it at that time. And he really, uh, he was really excited when Mason Rudolph got drafted in the fourth round. And uh, credit to, to Chris, he revisited this in a tweet in actually November of 2019. He said, big Thursday night football game tonight between my QB1 in the 2018 class, Mason Rudolph, in, in parentheses, he has comp Dak Prescott. And my QB5 in the 18 class, Baker Mayfield, comp Case Keenum. Actually, I don't hate that comp. Here's what went down on CBS Sports HQ when Rudolph got drafted by the Steelers at uh, number 76 overall. So, correction, it was the third round. And we've got a little audio here. Brady Quinn just completely went nuts 
My comparison for Mason Rudolph was Dak Prescott, another very experienced, very productive player from a big conference <laughs> who ultimately fell in the draft. What? Um, went in the fourth round. They're both what good moving about? inside. The, maybe Baver, maybe Baker Mayfield is a little better against pressure. But Mason Rudolph moves inside the pocket better and is better down the field. Dak Prescott? Mason Rudolph throws a way better downfield. And there, you can hear it in Quinn's voice. He's he's completely apoplectic, especially about the comparison to Dak Prescott. I think that's the hot. I, there's two hot parts to this take, Seth. This deserves a double flame because not only does he say he's quarterback one in the 2018 class with all these other guys we just mentioned, and three of whom have, have taken their teams to the playoffs and have been successful. Not only does he have him QB1 over those guys, but he, he says the comparison is Dak Prescott, which I, I don't think I'm I'm not quite to the level of Quinn, but you can see why Quinn certainly called it out. I, I also applaud Chris for revisiting that too. Yeah, and, and that's... Uh... That's a hot take when you, I mean, I don't know what's a hotter take to, to actually have him as the number one quarterback or to drop a Dak Prescott comparison when there's literally nothing in their game that's similar. Um, but you know, what's life without whimsy? So, <laughs> I mean, and Quinn, and Quinn just like completely went in on him and, uh, it almost like looks like if you watch the video of that clip and again chris tweeted this out so the video is out there on twitter but uh, and he's at chris trapasso that's t-r-a-p-s-s-o if you see the video of this it almost looks like everybody else is uncomfortable with the way brady quinn reacts to the take it's 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 really funny i'm glad that uh chris has a sense of humor about it too because it as we just illustrated we had a lot wrong with this quarterback class as well. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, we joke about it, but we do an entire series of why our scouting sucks. And if you can't, if you can't admit to why you get things wrong, then you're going to continue to make the same mistakes. And, you know, not to say I got it right, but part of the reason I said I was down on Sam Darnold is because I liked Blake Bortles so much. So to, to double down on that would have been to double down on the same mistake and, and try not to make those twice um but i mean then then there are you're also gonna give up on guys and and miss on guys that you you know you bail on because of those reasons which i mean you know scared money don't make money either so you gotta you gotta make a decision on how you want to play these things uh anything else before we get out of here only that I think one of the big things is it, it really matters where these guys get picked because if my dream had come true and the Cleveland Browns had taken Saquon Barkley at, at one and Lamar Jackson at four, there's just no telling what would have happened with that, with the uh, disaster that was Hugh Jackson at the helm and uh, John Dorsey at, as GM making some really questionable picks after he, he ended up taking Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward with his first two picks as the Cleveland GM and then really made some disastrous picks after that and uh, in, in his two drafts with, with the Browns. So you, there's really no telling what would have happened in these dream scenarios. So we have to give credit to the coaching staffs and the player personnel people of these teams in, in uh, Baltimore, Buffalo, and 
the replacement regime in Cleveland now who have been able to surround these young quarterbacks from the 2018 class with the necessary pieces and not with a guy like Adam Gase, who really may have helped facilitate Sam Darnold's exit from, I'm, I'm sure he helped facilitate Sam Darnold's exit from the New York Jets. So that's all I'll say on that. Uh, I think it's fun to look back at these, but one of the most important things is probably where these guys get picked. It definitely is, and that'll do it for episode 112 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. We'll be back later this week for with another patron episode. If you are a patron, um, you get those episodes as a part of your uh, subscription. We'll also start to give rankings and breakdowns of our our college uh, prospects heading into 2022. But for now, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate your support. And uh, we'll be back maybe not next week with the free show, but maybe in a couple weeks as we uh, as we get into the dog days of summer. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. We pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um